When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the back of the win over Rotherham at the Riverside on Tuesday and Charlton at the Riverside on Saturday, I'm joined by Phil Talentire and Anthony Vickers to discuss all things Borough. And we'll start with Stuart Downing, who had another good game on Tuesday night following up his, uh, his impressive display on Saturday and at, uh, at Old Trafford last week. He started at number 10 on Tuesday. Is that where Downing's at his best, do you think? I think that's where he thinks he's at his best. Now, I think that's where he sees himself. I mean, obviously, he made a big impact for West Ham last season playing through the middle. He wasn't exactly a number 10 there, I don't think. Um, but but he, he he seems very comfortable now being in the middle where he can dictate player. He's all, he's, you know, he can influence the match. Uh, obviously, we know him primarily as a left winger, don't we, from his days breaking through from the youth team into the first team. And, you know, those famous nights against Stout Bucharest and teams like that where he... He was sensational, putting the ball on the plate for whoever was in the middle. Um, so, yeah, I think he's matured as a player. And I think um, I think Karanka more or less said in the summer, that's where he saw him playing. Um, although he has, both have gone on record of saying that doesn't mean to say he has to play there every week. It's a funny one, isn't it, Vic? Because he is a fantastic crosser of the ball, isn't he? And you put him in the left, and uh, especially, I guess, if you've got Christian Stuani playing as part of the attacker coming in off the right. That's a weapon that you can make yeah. the most of. But then equally, he, he does pull the strings brilliantly well in that in that central role, doesn't he? Well, we've seen his passing stats, you know, and he's got 90% accuracy. Uh, he doesn't hit that every week, but he's right up there. And that means he can hurt teams. And wherever the space is for any particular game, then that's where he's most effective. I mean, I, I spoke to him after the Rotherham match, and he, he said, you know, Primarily, he would like to play in the number 10 role, but equally, he said he'll play wherever the manager wants him. Uh, yes, he did play in a more attacking midfield central role at, at, at West Ham, but I think that was uh, with, you know, behind two strikers. Uh, I think in the championship, because he's so good, he, he can take a touch and he creates space for himself. In, in some senses, it doesn't matter where he plays, he's always going to be effective. I know we've mentioned it at the start of the season, but when, when everyone's available, because I know obviously suspensions and whatnot, Karanga and Borough do have the options, don't they, for that interchange in play. Whoever starts on the left won't necessarily finish on the left. And, and we've seen that. I mean, we've, seen, we've even seen him on the right, haven't we, at times this year? Phil? Yeah, I mean, he's the sort of player who can drift um, right across the pitch from left to right and back again. Uh, he could even, at a push, play up front. You know, he's a very versatile player. I don't think he probably gets the credit he deserves. Vic talked about the pass stats there. He's a, he's a very tidy player. He doesn't waste possession very often. You know, we, we've spoken in the past about how wherever he's been, with the, with the sole exception of Liverpool under <coughs> Brendan Rodgers, who probably missed a trick anyway, he's been used and rated by every manager, including international managers. Now, that isn't by accident. He clearly has something. He's not the sort of player um, who is... Is explosively impressive, um, and therefore gets a reputation way beyond their actual merit. I'm thinking of somebody like, for example, Adam Johnson, caught people's eye, 
And you know, I, I remember fans telling me years ago that oh, Johnson's a better player than Dalvin. I never bought into that. No, and I never bought that. And uh, particularly on what we saw at Middlesbrough when Johnson was still a developing player, um, he goes about his business with a with a minimum of fuss. I mean, last the goal against Rotherham actually was quite unusual for him that he actually burnt past somebody. Yeah. And it's very impressive. And then the finish was top draw. That would have been a good finish at any level of football to, to pick a very narrow spot from a tight angle like that and, and cut it across the keeper. Um, at, at first I thought it might be depending, looking at the pace of the play, because yeah. we were told he was that quick. And then when I saw who it was going past, you know, having the shot, um, that was quite unusual for Stuart. He doesn't tend to score that kind of goal. Um, you know, we saw the spectacular free kick against Wolves. So he's got so many op- so, so many strings to his bow. But what he won't do, I don't think he's. You know, people won't come away saying, you know, what a dynamic performance. It's not what his game's about. Uh, a few things uh, just on on kind of the discussion upon down the after game. I think one of the most telling interviews this year was Carl Robinson when MK Dons came here, and he said after the game that he'd said to those pl- he'd said to his players, "I want you to kind of watch Downing and Nugent." And it isn't necessarily how good they are. It's the work rate, and you know, it's the fact that it's the commitment and what they'll do for the team, and that's why they've been such top players. Yeah. I mean, it's a few interesting things out of what Phil said there. I mean, I think one of the reasons why Stewie Downing was never received at the top level by fans and by pundits is that I don't think he's an assertive personality in the way that some players are. Some players have a swagger, and you mentioned Adam Johnson there. But you know, we've seen a procession of wingers, the Aaron Lennons and Jermaine Pennants that will Andrews Townsend that, yeah. that have a swagger on the pitch, and people think, oh, well, they're making things happen. And actually, if you look at their career, they tend to fizzle out fairly quickly. Uh, Stewie's never kind. Of, he, he he doesn't have that body language on the pitch, and that's one of the reasons I think he's traditionally got stick from Borough fans who say, oh, he's hiding or his head's gone down. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think that's just his body language. And it also, I mean, we, we know him. We, we've talked to him since he was a kid, but uh, he can be quite meek. And when you're talking to him, he's not, he's not full of bombast and self-confidence in the way that some big-name big players are. And I think that is probably one of the things that affected his relationship with the media. You know, the big hitters in the tabloid press, when they were interviewing him, probably groaned, think, oh, well, we're not going to get much out of him. But... He doesn't suit the headlines. So in the, because of that, he hasn't had the profile that he deserves. I mean, for me, he's, he, he's the best, most talented Teesider born on Teesside since the war. Is it a credit to the, to the man, uh, you know, not just the footballer you talk there, that he's kind of kept his, his feet on the ground? You know, that he hasn't got that swagger now, despite the fact he's played for Liverpool and Villa and, and won cups and got 35-odd caps for England? I think one of the, one of the things that you you know immediately take from Stewie is that he's very much a teesider, you know he's a local lad, and I, I think sometimes in the past that may have hampered him because maybe he didn't put down roots and didn't become part of the culture of the clubs where he's been. Um, you know when he first moved to Villa, I mean you know the match would finish at five o'clock and he'd be in the Purple Onion by half past nine. <laughs> you know he, he, he's. I think sometimes that can hamper you. I mean, if you it's one football's one of those games where you have to throw yourself into the moment, and I, I don't necessarily think he's always done that. Uh, I mean, that said, I think everyone within the game, you know, managers will tell you and other players will tell you that he is quality. I mean, Kenny Dalglish loved him, yeah. by the way. He took him to, I think it was him who took him to uh, Liverpool, didn't he? And, and it was that. I mean, he's always been, you know. Um, Somebody that the national press have had a, had an angle against, really from the off, 
they've never rated him as an Partly because player. it was an attack on McLaren by Yeah, Boxing. and he was, you know, and, he, and to be fair, he, I, I don't think Stewart really set the world on fire playing for England. They're probably the first to admit that. You could, you could argue whether he was ever given the right opportunities at the right time. That's another discussion for another day, but... He certainly did nothing wrong, though, did no, he? Like, no, like, you no, know, no. He, he, you know, and there's times when I remember he was man of the match against Germany over there in a friendly, and um, they were looking for reasons not to pick him, where with their favoured players like Townsend or Harry Kane, they're always looking for reasons why he should be in the team. And that's just, that's just the southern bias of the national press, and that has always been the case. But Dalgleish, for example, you know, another manager who rated him, and, and, and Downing was the man of the match in the Capital One Cup final against yeah. Cardiff. You know, people forget these things. He, he hasn't had a disappointing career. Um, at Villa, he was the fans' player of the year, I think, in his second season. He was injured in his first season, took a while to get going, but he was the player of the year. Last season at West Ham, I, I don't think they wanted to get rid of him necessarily. Um, certainly, if, I'm sure if Sam Allardyce had still been manager, he'd have been desperate to keep him because he, he, was, he, was, he was outstanding for large portions of the season. So... I think, it's, as, as Vic says, he's just not a self-publicist. He doesn't, he's not too busy telling everybody how good he is every week, like certain players we could name you know, ac- across the country. And, um, and it's just that anti... Uh, you could go on about it all day, but there is a genuine anti-Northern bias when it comes to assessing players, and um, particularly players from somewhere like Middlesbrough, where they, they, they kind of <coughs> ignored one minute and then were suddenly expected to be world beaters the next when they're in the team. Responding to setbacks, though, I mean, obviously when he was at Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers, when he did get in the team, it was a left back, wasn't it? And and he, he kind of got his head down and played. And and when he did come aboard, obviously with those credentials of, of the credentials of his career, the last thing he'd have expected is to be on the bench at Wolves a couple of months into the season. Vic, you you've spoken to him since then. How how has he? Re- I mean, we've seen how he's re- how he's reacted on the pitch. How has he reacted, kind of as a bloke, I guess, off the pitch to to being dropped last week? Uh, I, I think it would. It, he probably would have been. He said he was disappointed. I think he probably would have been a bit upset because he's come here uh, on the understanding that he, you know, the team was being built around him and and he was we would expect to play. But on the other hand, he knows the game and he knows that the manager makes the decisions. And I don't think he's got any gripe with that. I mean, he maybe he knows out of joint a little bit, but he responded in the proper way and he came off the bench and, and changed the game. And since then. He's probably put in his best couple of performances since he arrived, so there's a positive impact come out of that. Uh, it's, and as with Albert Adoma, it seems that uh, Aitor's uh, naughty step has some restorative properties. Yeah, I, I think it's all about perceptions, isn't it? When a player ends up on the bench, you immediately assume the worst. Now we're not we're we're just not privy to everything that goes on in the training ground. We never will be. And so we've got to, you know, to a degree rely on what you hear second and third hand. But I think it's fair to say that um, it wasn't totally about performance, the reason why he wasn't in the team. I think it would be oversimplifying things to say he didn't have a good game against Cardiff, that's why he wasn't in the team on the side. I think there was more to it than that. Um, because I don't think Stuart Downing was the worst player at Cardiff by any stretch. I don't think it was, it was probably his least effective game in a Bury shirt since coming here. But that doesn't mean this, you know, there were 11 players on the pitch and there was no way he was anywhere near one of the two worst players to miss out the following game. So let's possibly assume that there may, you know, there may have been a disagreement, I don't know. These things happen in the training ground. And if we remember after the Cardiff match, that was the one where everyone was simmering and yeah. Grant, Grant Ledbetter yeah. came out and did his strange very much interview with yeah. some, I mean, I some I, words connecting yeah. loads of silences. I think the important thing to realise, and I think Aitor's I being upfront about that, is that probably the way he reacted to the Fulham results and the Cardiff result was wrong. 
And he said that, you know, and, and, and I think he's learning as a manager. And per, we, we, I genuinely don't know this, but maybe that some of the things that went on after those two games are the reason why Stuart wasn't in the team the following Saturday and Albert as well. Um, and I think it might be a little bit of a learning experience for everybody, just because it is... It is Itel's probably never managed in England... So in in, in you know in um, inverted commas um, a superstar really he's tended to bring players who are probably pleased to be at Middlesbrough if, that, if that's not too much of a patronising way of expressing it and he's suddenly got this player who's come down from the Premier League who who's not only a, a big a big player former international is is a big player in the area you know it's you know he's, he's not just dealing with the pressure of playing for Middlesbrough and being expected to tear it up every week. He's getting watched by his friend, friends and family every week, and he knows that every performance is being analysed. And he reads, he reads the press, and he, he he keeps his ear at the ground. And I'm sure when there's a thousand tweets floating about saying he wasn't good enough on Saturday, he gets wind of it as soon as he pops into town to buy his his groceries or whatever he does on a weekend. So it's a different circumstance for him, and it's a different one for Karanka. And I think Karanka's learning some important lessons. I mean, I personally think he was far too downbeat after Fulham without taking the conversation too far away from Stuart, but it's a connected it's a connected thing. And he was too far downbeat after Cardiff as well. And, uh, you know, the old... And he admitted that, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. And the old cliche about treating um, whatever it is... Um, um, uh, you'll have to remind me what it is now. Um, triumph and disaster in, in, the, in the same way. And I think Aitor was very, very low-key and down and, and, and he seemed very angry, actually, after the Fulham match. And you think, well, they've only dropped a point and prior to that, a fantastic run of results. You know, uh, all right, I know there was the, um, you know, there has been setbacks this season, but it hasn't been a disaster. We haven't lost five on the bounce. So, um, I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, he reacted that way, but I'm pleased that what's come out of it on Tuesday, he obviously his, his, his goal in the first half ended up deciding the game. At the time, we'd have thought that Borough would go on and get two or three more, but it kind of panned out to be a bit of a grind in the second half. Was that, obviously, you look at Downing's chance in the first half, pounced on a mistake, goes forward, punishes. They had a similar chance in the second half, which Jordan Bowery made an absolute mess of. Is that the, the class that kind of determines, I mean, obviously it determines games. Is that why you bring in a player like that, for those moments of class that can turn a game? Uh, yeah, and also the fact that he can keep possession, move the ball quickly, change the shape of play, change the tempo of play, means that as a team you can turn the screw on to, on the opposition. And the way Borough play in, in terms of zipping the ball about with you know, very very high possession stats, uh, stretch the game, probe one side, probe the other side. We we sit there as fans and we think, oh, this is frustrating. But think of the effect it's having on the opposition team. It's rope and they're, isn't Yeah, it? they're running around. They, they, their batteries are starting to dip. They, and, and when people get tired, they make mistakes. And it might take 60, 70, 80 minutes to have that effect. Uh, but it, it does have a, a pronounced effect. And, and week after week, opposition managers come off the pitch and say, you know, they give us a really hard run. That was difficult for us, blah, blah, blah. And when you have that sort of situation, then the opposition team will make mistakes. And not just in their own box. You know, if you're knackered because you've been running around for 85 minutes and there is a ball up front on the edge of the borough box, chances are you're going to be tired, you're going to lack concentration and you know th- that swings the odds in the favour of, of the goalkeeper. Isn't that the first thing teams say as well when they get in the Premier League? Well, we were made mistakes last season in the Championship but got away with it. Yeah. We're getting punished every week now because it's a better class of player, it's a better class of finisher. I think the other thing about Stewart as well is that 
you never hear somebody say that player can't play with Stuart Downing, which must be great. You know, we've had the, we've had players at Middlesbrough before who don't fit a certain system. Well, we only... said it with, with Tomlin, didn't we, last yeah. year? With, you know, does does do they, do they does the dynamic work? Does, does Tomlin and Bamford yeah. work, or does it have to be Tomlin and Keane? I think Stuart Downing could play with any player because he can take the ball when things are tight against him. He can get out of trouble. He can see a pass. He can, you know, he can. He can he's unselfish. He'll track back. Um, you know, if you, obviously, you know, if you see him lose a ball, you'll see him make an effort to get it straight back again, and that's a sign of a, a team player. You know, you know, we've had players in the past who lose the ball, shrug the shoulders, and then wait for the ball to come back to them ten minutes later. And 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 Karanka identifies that kind of play and gets them out of the club. And um, you know, it's uh, you know, Stewart has played to a high standard nearly all season. I, I think you know, I think he was top of the Gazette stats even before the, the Cardiff match. And everyone's got their own opinions about who are the best players and that's a great thing about ratings. You can argue with them till the you know till you're blue in the face of one player versus another. So we spend the last ten minutes of every game. Yeah, of course we do, yeah, because it's like we're all seeing different things in different players. Um, and and of course we're not privy to what the managers said beforehand about who's got to do what job, you know, your job for the afternoon might be to stay in the final third and look after a certain player. That might be all you're told to do, where everyone else is saying, what's he doing when he's not contributing? And the manager comes off the pitch and he's delighted with him. So, um, But I think you know, I think it's, it's been a great sign. I think there's more to come from him as he gets used to the used to the division. Touchwood, if he stays fit, you know, you can imagine the opposition manager, the first thing they do is look at the team sheet and think, right, how are we going to deal with Stuart Downing? Yeah, I think that's a good way to finish. Thanks a lot, Phil. Thanks, Vic. Cheers, Cheers man.